Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Hi, it's Lauren Balogun. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Matchday Program. Arsenal versus Bournemouth, Saturday, 4th of March, 2023. Kickoff, 3 p.m. The contents, captain's notes around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature, Ben White, minute detail, inside job, community voice. Academy Young Gun, Rural Walters. Around the Academy, Women, Visitors, Bournemouth. Match Action, Arsenal versus Everton. And Teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. The start of the game was difficult again like it was when we played them at Goodison Park. They always defend well and get men behind the ball. They have lots of players in the back line. So to be honest, it was a challenge to break them down in the beginning. But after that second goal at the end of the half, we played with a lot more freedom and were more calm on the ball. Having that lead helped us to play the way we want to. When we play like the way we did in the second half, we feel it in the game and on the pitch that every attack can be dangerous. We just felt like everyone is enjoying their football and everything comes automatically to you. So overall, we were brilliant in the second half, not just on the ball, but the work we did off the ball too, and how much we ran for the whole 90 minutes. We were all fighting for each other. I saw on social media the clip of me flicking the ball when I slid in with Alex Iwobi. To be honest, it was nothing I planned. I just saw the loose ball, so I wanted to challenge to win the tackle. In the end, Iwobi was a bit later than me to the ball, so I reached it first, and then it was just instinct to flick it like that. I didn't think too much about it, and it looked a bit more in control than I thought it was at the time, but yes, it was a nice action. It was just instinct, and the way I adapted to it. But of course, I was much more pleased with my goal. I think it was about time I scored again. I'd been waiting for a while, and after missing that chance at Villa, and a few other chances lately too, I think I needed to do that and I felt really good when it went in. It was a nice move as well, a nice goal all round, and a great pass from Leo to set it up. I was pleased with my right foot finish too. It was my ninth goal this season, but I'm not one to set targets really. I don't like to do that because I just think it's better to focus on the game and try to be in the right places all the time, then things will come because of that. I don't like to focus on the numbers 
But obviously one of the key things for me to improve this year was my goal and assist return, so I'm happy with how it's going so far, and hopefully there are more to come. The celebration after the goal was for my little sister. When we were younger, she used to do this dance that was really funny. It was a thing we used to do together when we were young, and she was at the game on Wednesday, so I did it for her. It's a funny dance that used to make us laugh. So it was a joke with her, because she was at the stadium with my family. They just came over to visit for a few days, so it was nice they were able to see me score and see us win. I have to say, though, that I thought Bakayo's goal to put us in the lead was just an unbelievable finish. It took me by surprise when I saw it go in, but that's the quality he has and what he can produce, even with his right foot. I remember he scored a similar one this season against Leeds, so it's another quality he has. He's producing so much for the team right now, goals and assists. He's always dangerous, so it was another great moment for him. We talk a lot together about producing these magic moments as a team. When the match is really tight or the opposition makes things tough for you, sometimes you need a magic moment to win the game or change it, and he is certainly someone who comes up with them. It's great to have him there for us. And we might need another magic moment today against Bournemouth, because like Everton, they are fighting for every single point near the bottom of the table. They'll set up well and will make it difficult for us. They're coming to the team that's top of the table, so that will give them motivation as well, and we have to expect a difficult game. We have to keep on doing what we're doing and carry on from the second half against Everton and hopefully get the win again. We're confident but focused going into this game. If I felt at all that any of the players were starting to feel complacent, then of course I would say something. But I think the way the team is now, the mentality, and also what the coaches are giving us, the focus is there. We came into training on Thursday morning and straight away everyone was working on this Bournemouth game. Nobody was celebrating the win over Everton. It was all about the next training session, the next game and what we need to do. So I'm confident that everyone is highly motivated and focused on what we've got in front of us. It's great to be back at the Emirates again today. Thanks for your brilliant support on Wednesday night. Let's keep it going together today. Around Arsenal. At the double. Wednesday's superb win against Everton threw up yet more positive stats about Mikel Arteta's attacking young team. The quick-fire goals from Bukayo and Gabby late in the first half meant that the Gunners became the first club for which two players have reached double figures in goals this season, with the Brazilian going on to make it 11 with his second-half strike. And with Martin registering his ninth of the season, could we soon have a triple-double on our hands? Gabby's goal means he has now scored in three successive Premier League matches for the first time in his career. Bukeo's goal also made him the sixth youngest player at 21 years, 177 days, to reach 50 goals and assists in the Premier League and the youngest since Cesc Fabregas, 20 years, 337 days, achieved it in April 2008. The England winger became the 19th player in club history full list later in this section, to rack up a half-century of Premier League goal involvements in his 122nd game. Speaking on Wednesday, Bukeo's sensational goal sounded so simple. I just had to focus on my touches, he said, turning my body and myself, getting on my right foot and finishing. 
I looked up, and it was in the net, so I was happy. Weren't we all? Player, Thierry Henry, goal, 175, assists, 74, total, 249. Dennis Bergkamp, goal, 87, assists, 94, total, 181. Robin Van Persie, goals, 96, assists, 39, total, 135. Ian Wright, goals, 104, assists, 19, total, 123. Theo Walcott, goals, 65, assists, 43, total, 108. Cesc Fabregas, goals, 35, assists, 70, total, 105. Robert Pires, goals, 62, assists, 41, total, 103. Oliver Giroud, goals, 73, assists, 23, total, 96. Mesut Ozil, goals, 33, assists, 54, total, 87. Aaron Ramsey, goals, 40, assists, 46, total, 86. Alexis Sanchez, goals, 60, assists, 25, total, 85. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, goals, 68, assists, 16, total, 84. Alexandre Lacazette, goals, 54, assists, 25, total, 79. Freddie Lundberg, goals, 46, assists, 26, total, 72. Patrick Vieira, goals, 28, assists, 33, total, 61. Emmanuel Adebayor, goals, 46, assists, 15, total, 61. Santi Cazorla, goals, 25, assists, 35, total, 60. Paul Merson, goals, 28, assists, 23, total, 51. Fukeo Saka, goals, 27, assists, 24, total, 51. Ref Watch Today's referee is Chris Kavanagh from Lancashire. Chris has only refereed one Arsenal fixture this season, our 1-0 win at Ellen Road in October. The last time the 37-year-old officiated at Emirates Stadium was last season and also when we played Leeds, the 2-1 win last May. Today's match is only his sixth Premier League game of 2022-23. Having 23 yellow cards in the previous five games, he has yet to send anyone off this season. Chris has been a Premier League official since season 2016-17. Peter Davies Arsenal remembers former player Peter Davies who died recently aged 86. The Welshman played for our reserves in 1957-58 and 1958-59, making 54 appearances in total, scoring one goal and winning the London FA Challenge Cup. He left for Swansea Town in 1959 as part of the deal that brought Mel Charles to Highbury. Extremely proud of his time with the Gunners, his family informed us that he wore his Arsenal cap everywhere he went. Our thoughts are with Peter's family and friends. Do you want to be part of Arsenal? Now is the chance for you to join our world-class retail and stadium tours teams. We're recruiting casual workers for our stadium tours and retail stores teams for the 2023-24 season. These roles will provide amazing opportunities to help our supporters engage with our club. Our retail stores sell a wide range of Arsenal-related products 
and act as a hub of supporter activity throughout the football season, especially on a match day. Our stadium tours and museum experience provide self-guided audio tours into the heart of the Emirates Stadium to approximately 200,000 supporters every year, as well as offering VIP tours led by a variety of Arsenal legends. If the below sounds like you, we'd love to hear from you. You have a real passion for delivering amazing experiences for our supporters. You're friendly, love talking to people and can work as part of a team. You can commit to working across weekends and peak holiday periods. Please scan the QR code in this section of the program to apply or visit https colon forward slash forward slash careers.arsenal.com forward slash Vote for Aaron. Aaron Ramsdale's stunning save from Leon Bailey towards the end of our win over Aston Villa at Villa Park has been nominated for February's Premier League Save of the Month award. At 2-2, his amazing effort that pushed the Jamaican's powerful shot onto the crossbar was ultimately a crucial contribution in winning us all three points. You can vote for the save by visiting thepremierleague.com here using the QR code at this point in the programme. You don't have long to show your support for Aaron. The vote closes at noon on Monday, March 6th. Watching with the stars, Arsenal Croatia contacted us recently to tell us that their viewing of the 3-2 win over Manchester United was made extra special by a VIP guest. They take up the story. Eduardo, yes that Eduardo, accepted our invite and watched the game last Sunday together with us. It was a really special day, and Eduardo showed why we really love him. He greeted all of us, took pictures and signed memorabilia and shirts. We prepared a small gift from Arsenal Croatia SC. He said he will definitely come again, and he was surprised there were so many of us. What an afternoon for all concerned. Stat of the Century An interesting fact emerged from Wednesday's match over Everton. Our win represented the first time in English league history that a side has reached 100 league victories over an opponent. A positive reflection on our prowess over many decades, of course, but also an acknowledgement that the two teams are currently on the longest continuous run in the top flight in the game's history. The Gunners since the 1919-20 season and Everton from the start of 1953-54. Notice board. Totaliser, £560. Happy 8th birthday, Teddy Boy. Love Arthur, Aubrey, Mummy and Daddy. Happy 12th birthday, Ryan Gilly. Enjoy the game. Happy 40th birthday, Andrew Duncan. And happy 14th birthday, Jake Duncan. Happy birthday to Arsenal's number one fan, Hashim. Hope you have a good day from your family. Happy birthday to Andy Croft, who turned 70 on February 28th. We hope you had a great day. Happy birthday, Scott Jones. We hope you have the best day and enjoy the game. Love Rossi and Bump. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Finn McLaughlin. Happy 16th birthday. Here today with brother Noah and dad Karen. Have a great weekend, guys. Happy 10th birthday, Joshua White. Hope you enjoy your first Arsenal game on your special day. Love, Dad. Happy 28th birthday, William O'Neill. 
Love Kaylee. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Welcome Brian Smythe from Virginia County Cavern in Ireland to Emirates Stadium. Happy 12th birthday, Ruby Wet, The Clock End Guna. Love Mum, Dad, Lucy and Bischoff. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Dad, happy birthday. We love you lots and hope Arsenal win for you today. Love Lois and Charlie. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 55th birthday, Jeffy. Love Alice, Lucy, Eleanor, Peter and Lisa. Arthur Nickel, enjoy your very first Arsenal game. Grandad would be so proud. C-O-Y-G. Love Mummy, Daddy and Sophie. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Welcome Luke Bannon, 9 from Cork, Ireland, on his first visit to Emirates Stadium. Welcome Ross Mulvaney, over from Scrine, Ireland, who's come to watch the mighty Arsenal. Congratulations, Jamie and Rachel, on your recent engagement in Paris. Arsenal remembers Roger Hamilton, Porky, passed away peacefully on December 31st, 2022, aged 80. A lifelong supporter and long-time season ticket holder, he leaves his wife, Jill, and two sons, Stuart and Jim, who are also Gooners. Ben Hampton, a lifelong fan who visited Emirates many times. He loved football and coached children, which was inspiring. He will always be remembered by everyone who knew him and will never be forgotten. R.I.P. Ben. Ziggy Shipper, Holocaust survivor and dedicated fan, died on January 18th, 2023, aged 93. Shortly after coming to England after World War II, Ziggy discovered Arsenal. He spoke to hundreds of audiences about his experiences of the Holocaust, stressing how important it was to live without hate. R.I.P. Ziggy, you inspired thousands of people. Henry Waitemus, 1924-2023 The biggest fan. Henry will be missed by all his family and friends. We are forever grateful for the memories and everything you taught us. Miss you always. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Brian Cullip, a lifetime member of the Arsenal. Sadly missed by all of the family, especially daughter Louise and son Jason. Terry James Wisby, 1937-2022 a lifelong and loyal supporter. The Arsenal teams he watched brought him great happiness. Up the Gunners. Peter Bob. As a kid, Peter looked after cars outside Highbury for pocket money. His father and grandfather were season ticket holders and his hero was Jimmy Logie. A successful model in 1962, he auditioned for the role of James Bond. Producer Cubby Broccoli and writer Ian Fleming wanted him to star in Dr No but he turned it down. Attending many matches, grandson Louis continues as a fifth-generation Arsenal fan. Peter died in France aged 89 and leaves wife Catherine and daughter Selina. Today's mascots. A warm welcome to this afternoon's home mascot, Kea, who is seven years old and from London, as well as away mascot, Clayton, who is 11 and from Summerford. We hope you both enjoy your special day leading out the teams at Emirates. Well done, Ozan. The club would like to say a huge well done to supporter Ozan Sese, who spent the days following the tragic earthquake in Syria and Turkey, volunteering through the night at various sites across East London, helping to arrange the aid that was being sent to the impact areas of the region. Great work, Ozan. 
we're proud that you are representing the values of the club in your selfless work. NMR Shirts for Young Role Models The No More Red initiative was launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference. And at today's game, Thomas and Domain will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red shirts. Thomas is a 14-year-old air cadet with 296 Squadron based in Stoke Newington. He has demonstrated outstanding commitment to the local community and regularly helps with local events and activities. Last year, Thomas led the squadron's poppy appeal with tremendous enthusiasm. He helped prepare the fundraising resources and volunteered his weekends to raise funds for the appeal. Thomas has set a fantastic example for others in his squadron to follow, and his fundraising efforts were hugely appreciated by the Islington Poppy Appeal. Domain is a young ambassador for the My Ends Project and the JFJ Foundation in Croydon. Over the past three years, he has taken on a positive role in his community in an effort to try and reduce youth violence in his local area. Domain helped design and support in applying for My Ends funding from City Hall to help reduce serious youth violence in Croydon. He co-designed the JFJ Cut It Out anti-knife crime event in Croydon, which was attended by over 1,000 people, including schools and youth centres across the borough. Domain now works as a residential support worker working with autistic children in the care system and recently played a role in encouraging young Londoners to work with the Met Police to reduce serious youth violence. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Sporting CP. Europa League. Thursday, March 16th, kick-off 8pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver Cannon. Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange service until 5pm on Thursday, March 16th. Arsenal vs Crystal Palace, Premier League, Sunday, March 19th, kick-off 2pm. Tickets are on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members. Arsenal vs Leeds United, Premier League, Saturday, April 1st, kick-off 3pm. Tickets went on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members today via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 12pm on Saturday 1st of April. Away tickets, Sporting CP v Arsenal. Europa League, Estadio Jose Alvalde, Thursday March 9th, kick-off 5.45pm. Tickets for this match went on sale to Away Scheme, Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 20-plus away points today. Fulham vs Arsenal, Premier League, Craven Cottage, Sunday, March 12th, kick-off 2pm. This fixture sold out to Platinum, Gold and Travel Club members with 40-plus away points. Liverpool vs Arsenal, Premier League, Anfield, Sunday, April 9th, kick-off 4.30pm. Please visit arsenal.com for the details of the different sales phases for this fixture. Sustainability The Arsenal Tree
We've told you before that the Arsenal Forest is 100% neem trees, proven to be the best variety to grow for many reasons. Fast growing, doesn't require too much rain, termite resistant, very important, great for the timber crop, and that's just for starters. In fact, we love the neem tree so much, the football competition we set up last year was called the Neem Cup and proved to be a huge event in the local area, with the second edition likely to feature a women's trophy this time too. So imagine how surprised and delighted we have been to learn that all of the attention around our forest and its neem trees, including local and national media, has resulted in neem now taking on a definite prestige in the region. In fact, it has now become the most popular tree amongst local farmers who feel a connection to Arsenal by also growing this fantastic species. So our neem is spreading out way beyond our planting site and into lots of nearby farms. Alex Katana, Bore Project Manager, told us, Since we started this project, neem has become our most popular tree. All our members want to plant neem all of a sudden. Perfect Partners This season has seen Arsenal and Adidas further commit to working together after extending the current agreement to 2030. This is obviously very exciting news for all of us who get to enjoy the fantastic kits and clothing that Adidas have been bringing to us. But beyond the continued match, training and culture wear launches, the extension allows us to really explore how we can work together on a wide range of topics. Unsurprisingly, we are particularly excited to be able to gain access to the sustainability know-how and experience that Adidas have built up over the years. We have already started to work on some areas with our friends from Herzog-Gonorach at Adidas headquarters. Amongst the projects that we have already started working on are logistics of supplying our kit to the international supporter base. Whilst the work continues behind the scenes, there is something already well underway, and one which may not be well known. All the Arsenal kits are made from 100% recycled polyester. Our kit partners have been at the front of sportswear for many years and have launched many initiatives to start to reduce the impact of their products on the environment. Adidas has the objective of using 100% recycled polyester in their products by 2024. This is a huge commitment requiring redesigning of manufacturing processes and rethinking the use of materials. We were thrilled to be invited to join the Adidas Partner Day held in Berlin at the end of 2022. The event gave some of the Adidas teams and distributors an opportunity to start to work together on addressing our sustainability impacts. Having an opportunity to connect with our counterparts at Juventus, Munster Rugby and Manchester United helps us as a collective to improve and progress. It is partnerships like this that will help Arsenal and Adidas to make truly impactful changes. Net Zero Heroes Every issue this season we have highlighted how different members of the Arsenal women's squad have been making efforts to live more sustainably. This issue we hear from one of the younger members of the Arsenal first team squad, the highly rated Taya Goldie, who has sadly been spending this season recovering from a ruptured ACL. One of the things that I do, says the 18-year-old defender, 
is make sure I have reusable bags when I go to the shops. Plastic pollution is a huge problem in the world and it's really important to use as little as possible. And that means not taking bags from the supermarket. Good stuff, Taya. As the youngest first team squad member featured so far, we have decided it's your job to tell all the other under-twenties at the club to live more sustainably too. Super 6. We'd like you to meet six of our nursery staff in Bore, who work so hard in the propagating, potting and planting of our neem saplings. Our featured workers are Mashaka Meitha, Penina Riziki, Mapenzi Katana, Kanzi Kazungu, Janet Chengo and Priska Hare. All six of the workers have children, 22 between them in fact, and list the following reasons as to why the income they get for working for us is so important. Raising money for school fees, preventing food insecurity, paying for diabetes medicine and getting regular health checks for their children. Player feature. Inspirational Ben White. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Our defender tells us about how his unique perspective on football helps him keep a level-headed approach to training and match days. There's no doubting Ben White's love and passion for football, but what is slightly unusual about the defender's relationship with the sport is that he is purely a lover of playing the game rather than watching it for enjoyment. It's always been like that. Coming from a family with no history of involvement in football at all, Ben was not brought up as a football fan, but as a naturally sporty and active kid, it didn't take him long to find his true passion. And once he did, his parents were completely behind him, giving him 100% support, helping him to fulfil his undoubted natural talent. My main inspiration is always my family, he starts. Their support and encouragement is probably what got me started in the sport. I had the love of playing football from a very young age. It was all I ever wanted to do, really, from as early as I can remember. And my family have always been there for me. Nobody in my family had ever played football. They have never been into it. My parents aren't football fans at all, so they didn't push me into it. But they saw how much I loved it and they did everything they could to help me. I don't know how I got into it, really, in the first place, probably just through being with mates, playing in the park or the garden. I can't remember why. I don't think there was a particular moment that set me off in football, but I remember loving it from the first time I ever kicked a ball. I was always sporty as a kid, though. I played everything. Sport got me out of a few lessons. But yeah, I played tennis, hockey, a lot of cricket, too. I was an all-rounder and played that until I was about 16. By that stage, though, football was taking up all my time, and it was the one I enjoyed most anyway, so I concentrated only on football. Born and raised in Poole, just outside Bournemouth, Ben joined the Southampton Academy at the age of eight, and he steadily worked his way through the age groups. The training sessions and matches meant Ben had a very different routine to most other schoolboys growing up. But his parents were never phased and were a constant encouraging factor in his life, helping him indulge in his passion. Yeah, it was obviously all new for them, wasn't it? 
finding out about academies and stuff, he says, but they never push me into anything. My mum used to take me wherever I needed to go, training and the matches, but it came from me. I always had my own motivation. It was probably the only thing I really enjoyed doing and that I was good at, so my parents were there for me to make the most of it. I just pushed myself, really, to get better and play more. Obviously, when I started, it was all just for fun. You don't know where it will lead you at that age. I was never thinking about becoming professional, but when I signed my first contract at 17, that's when I first thought I might be able to do it for my future. I got released from Southampton when I was 16, then signed pro at Brighton when I was 17. So I started to believe then that I might be able to do something. Then, when I had my first loan spell at Newport and did well, that gave me the belief as well that I could make it. I was 19 at the time, thinking I could just do it in that league, League 2, so I just needed to keep progressing to take it higher. Playing purely for the love of the sport clearly has its advantages, and Ben says there has never been a time when he lost the enjoyment or felt under pressure, even when it became his profession, and he began playing football for his livelihood. No, not really, because there are much worse jobs you could be doing, he grins. There's not really much about the job that's not enjoyable, so I've always kept my love for it. I never had a time in my career when I doubted whether I wanted to do it. I enjoy all of it. As Ben's career progressed, new role models and inspirations came along, the first of which was fellow defender Lewis Dunk at Brighton. Yeah, Dunkey took me under his wing, and when I started at Brighton, my goal was to play alongside him. They were in the championship then, but I was still very far off that level when I arrived, so it was a long-term goal for me to do that, and I finally managed to do it in my last season at Brighton. He was there from a young age as well. He was just a normal guy, English as well, down to earth, same position, and we got on well. From him, it was more of a case of watching what he did every day. He was an example for me to follow. He was someone you look up to and see him in training every day. I knew I needed to be at that level. It didn't take long for Ben to reach Premier League level via more successful loan spells. At Peterborough in League One and Leeds United in the Championship, he broke through to enjoy a full season in the top flight with Brighton in 2020-21. He was named Seagulls Player of the Season and his superb form led to a senior England call-up before, in July 2021, a big money move to Arsenal. So, how has playing for one of the top clubs in Europe changed his perspective on football? Where does he find his inspiration now? Just coming into work every day for a club like Arsenal is enough to inspire me, he says. You have to be honest to yourself. Come into training every day and become a better version of yourself. Just focus on yourself. Don't judge yourself by other people's standards. Be yourself. I'm here for what I can bring to the team and that's what I need to work on every day and try to be consistent every day at work. I look forward to training every day. Honestly, I enjoy every part of the job, and anyway, it's a routine that you get used to, like everyone. You brush your teeth in the morning, then go to work, and you do it every day. His relationship with his parents now, he explains, is also the same as it was when he first started out in the Southampton Academy. If I ever ask my mum and dad how I played, no matter how I played, it would always be the same answer. You were really good today, he smiles. My dad has no idea about football, to be honest. It's quite funny, but it's nice too. I've got the coaches here to tell me what I need to do anyway, 
so it's nice not to have any added pressure or anything outside of that. I know I can go home and switch off from everything, think about other things, and they just tell me I did well. That's how my life is arranged. When I come into the training ground, it's all about football, 100% focus. Then when I leave, I switch off from it. I don't think my dad has ever said to me, shall we watch a game on TV? He absolutely isn't interested in that. I don't think he's ever watched one on TV. But he comes to watch my games to be there for me. They are there for me every single game. I think my mum has only missed one game of mine ever. It's literally to watch me play rather than the game. They come to see me afterwards as well, so it's a good opportunity to spend time and catch up with them because they live down south still. And afterwards I know they will be 100% positive. Even if I know myself I was rubbish that day, they would always be totally supportive and I love that from them. I can hear all the rest of it when I see my coaches next time. I know some players are just about football 24-7, but for me, but for me, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to give everything if I did that. I think it's a good balance for me to switch off and leave it at the training ground. The 25-year-old defender acknowledges that this perhaps makes him a little different to his peers, but thinks it might also help explain how he's been able to maintain his high standards over the years. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit different to other people. My friends from home who don't do it every day, if they were in my situation, they would probably be buzzing the whole time. Their emotions would be up and down, and maybe that's why I am where I am. My emotions don't get too high or too low, and I can focus on what I need to do. I like to stay very level, and not let emotion get in the way of performance, I guess. And what about his teammates? Does it affect the dynamic in the dressing room with those members of the squad who tend to live and breathe football to an almost obsessive degree? No, not at all, he shrugs. I think if everyone was the same, it wouldn't work. What makes a team is a combination and a mixture of personalities. You need a balance, everyone is different, and that brings the best out of everyone. Ben adds that he doesn't envisage staying in football in any capacity once his playing days are over, and says that he would have been happy to follow his father's footsteps had football not taken off for him. Yeah, I'd probably be working with my dad if I wasn't a footballer. He used to be a gardener. I think that's why there was never any pressure on me growing up, because I would have been very happy with that. I went into football, but it would have been no problem for me to do what my dad did. And in that parallel universe, had Ben become a gardener instead, he insists he wouldn't be settling down to watch football at the weekend. No, I never used to watch football much anyway, he reveals. If it was on when I was a kid, after five minutes I'd get bored of it and go outside to play football instead. I didn't really watch it, I'd much rather do it. Even now I don't watch football really. I watch my own clips and my own footage to help me improve, but I wouldn't watch a game for fun. I'm obsessed with being the best I can be and being successful and that would have been in anything I did. I always want to do the most I can to be a success, so if I had gone into gardening, it would have been the same. My profession just happens to also be a lot of people's hobby. They look forward to every Saturday to watch the game, and that's great, but for me, it's about being on the pitches every day, trying to constantly be the best you can be. That's the bit I really love. Oh, 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 
minute detail. Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we're looking at five more, including a Premier League clincher at Old Trafford. Bukayo Saka, Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1, December 26, 2020. AFC PL goals in the 56th minute, 28. Of course, man, he was off his line. Was Bukayo's reaction when asked whether he meant his audacious lob over Eduardo Mendy at the Emirates? By now, we shouldn't be doubting him. This was only Bukayo's second Premier League goal at home, but he was fast becoming one of the most exciting talents in the whole league. This goal only added to the hype. Already leading 2-0, Bukayo put the result beyond doubt before the hour mark, looping his right-footed shot over the keeper and into the far top corner from just outside the penalty area. The Chelsea defence stood off him as he received the ball from Emile Smith-Rowe and the winger didn't need a second invitation to shoot, sending the ball in off the upright and leaving the Chelsea defence stunned. Sylvain Wiltord, Manchester United 0, Arsenal 1, May 8, 2002. AFC PL goals in the 57th minute, 29. The goal that wrapped up the league title in 2002, scored by one of the unsung heroes in a squad of superstars. Just four days after winning the FA Cup final 2-0 against Chelsea in Cardiff, we headed to Old Trafford, knowing a draw would be enough to clinch the league title and a third double for the club. This was our 37th league game of the season. We had scored in each of the previous 36, but it was goalless against our closest rivals at half-time. On 57 minutes, Wiltord received a pass from Ray Parler on the halfway line. He ran forward before slipping a pass into the onrushing Freddy Lundberg. The informed Swede had netted seven times in his previous seven games, but this time his low shot was parried by Fabian Bartes. Wiltord had continued his own run after making the pass, and the loose ball fell at his left foot, just outside the six-yard box. The Frenchman then slid his first-time shot under his compatriot, to send the champion section at Old Trafford into raptures. Mesut Ozil Arsenal 3, Liverpool 3, December 22nd, 2017 AFC PL goals in the 58th minute, 28 With a finish that had become the Germans' trademark, Mesut Ozil's chop shot put us 3-2 off against Liverpool, raising the roof of the Emirates. Coutinho and Mo Salah had put the visitors 2-0 up, but within just six minutes of Salah's strike, Arsenal incredibly were ahead. Alexis Sanchez began the comeback on 53 minutes, before a granite Zaka screamer levelled things on 56. Then two minutes later came the pick of the crop. Ozil picked up possession midway in the Liverpool half, then fed the ball into André Lacazette just inside the box. His back-heeled return pass was right into Ozil's path, and as Simon Miguelet narrowed the angle, Ozil lifted his shot over him by appearing to strike down on the ball, making it pop up off the surface and completely deceiving the keeper. It was worthy of winning the game, but Liverpool later struck an equaliser to earn a point. Aaron Ramsey, Arsenal 2, Liverpool 0, November 2nd, 2013 
AFC PL goals in the 59th minute, 24. Another cracker against Liverpool at the Emirates, scored by a player who was at the very peak of his powers. Already a goal to the good courtesy of a Santi Cazorella strike in the first half, Aaron Ramsey sealed the win just before the hour, smacking home a dropping ball on the half volley from outside the area into the top corner. He caught it sweetly with the outside of his right foot to arc the ball away from the despairing Simon Mengele. It was Rambo's tenth goal of the campaign. He would go on to score 16 in all competitions that season, and the victory also fired us five points clear at the top of the table after ten games. Robert Pires, Aston Villa 1, Arsenal 2, March 17, 2002 AFC PL goals in the 60th minute, 25 An all-time classic Premier League goal. It started when Freddie Lundberg fired a fairly hopeful-looking long pass from his own half for Robert Pires to gallop on to. He had George Botang for company as Pires controlled the bouncing ball, using his first touch to flick it up and over the midfielder, taking him out of the picture completely. With the ball still bouncing, now into the penalty area, Pires used his second touch to delicately lift his shot over Peter Smeichel in the Villa goal and drop it just under the crossbar. That is an outstanding goal from a magnificent player, enjoying the season of his life, was how commentator Martin Tyler described it. His co-commentator Andy Gray's own contribution is iconic. I'm sorry, I'm applauding, he said, audibly clapping into the microphone. That's genius, that is genius, the dumbfounded Scott added. Inside Job, Luke Howard. Each programme we catch up with a member of staff to find out more about what makes the club tick behind the scenes. Today we hear from Luke Howard, who has worked at Arsenal for 11 years, having started as a volunteer on our Gapier programme. He tells us all about his current role as Accessibility Coordinator for our Community Department and the wide-ranging programmes with which he is involved. I grew up in Archway. My parents weren't big on football at all back then. They're now season ticket holders. Anyway, a friend of the family had a membership and asked if I wanted to go to a match. That was in December 1997, a 3-1 home defeat against Blackburn Rovers. Before long, my bedroom resembled that famous picture of Carl Jenkinson's, complete with Arsenal bedspread. I can still remember sitting in the West Stand and I have vague memories of going to the parade at the end of that season too. I'd always wanted to work at Arsenal, but I had no real awareness of everything the club does. I found out there were voluntary positions at the club and, after applying, I was selected to coach on the Arsenal Gapier programme, which really opened my eyes to the multitude of ways in which the club works with the Arsenal community locally and overseas. After six months on a domestic programme, the club sent me out to Barbados for nine weeks, where I coached young kids. Looking back now, Arsenal put so much trust in me. I've been here for 11 years since, and it's still quite mind-blowing to me that the club invested as much as they did in me. Arsenal in the community has existed since the 1980s, 
and you can often plot the impact it's had on people's lives. When we speak to parents of children involved in schemes we run, they'll ask how certain staff members are. It's not unusual to have people come over and go, is AZ still at the club, or how's Freddie getting on? You quickly realise that interactions from 30 years ago are remembered by people for their whole lives. Locally, we put a lot of importance on what we can do to give back. On match days, Arsenal pretty much take over the borough. The belief, the desire to help the local community wherever possible is ingrained in our values. Nowadays, my role as Accessibility Coordinator encompasses a variety of projects. A big part of my job is looking at those who perhaps aren't engaged by existing programmes we've set up. That could be for social reasons or due to learning or physical needs. We have a cohort of young people with Down syndrome for whom we now run a bespoke programme in collaboration with a local organisation called North London United, who we've worked with for close to 10 years. A parent of a young child with Down syndrome started it off their own back. As a club, we saw the value in it, but most importantly, we saw that the parent had established it themselves. We agreed to provide staff, pay for the venue, and remove any concerns around sustainability. We run the programme in partnership with the parent now. They rely on volunteers, people who give up their time for free and who bring so much passion. We don't try to claim ownership all the time. It's not about creating a nice piece to camera. It's about running programmes in a sustainable way as we can while benefiting as many people as possible. The whole club really back our projects and that's crucial. For example... During Carl Jenkinson's time here, we took some of the participants from our North London United project to meet him at the training ground. Carl left Arsenal, but stayed in touch. In fact, when he came home from Australia recently, he brought his parents to a session because he wanted to show them how proud he was of the project. That's really affirming. Leah Williamson is the same. She'll come to us and find out how she can support our groups. We really saw the value of the support provided to Arsenal and the community during the pandemic. A lot of the local mental health services had seen their staff deployed to physical wards because that's where the urgent need was. Their workload hadn't shifted. They were having to come in physically but were then taking on extra responsibilities including medication drops and the sourcing and distribution of food from food banks. Within days, my manager was able to get approval from the club for myself and my colleague, Anthony, to pick staff up, drop them to and from work and work alongside food banks. Arsenal is more than just an employer for me. What I found affirming during lockdown was the club's willingness for us to go and help out. It gave me purpose during a time where I felt quite lost. The club back us wholeheartedly and that's huge. It was the same after the tragic Grenfell Tower fire. The club gave a lot of resources to be redistributed to the local area, but also helped with individual cases. A good friend of mine, Paul, lost all his historic Arsenal collection in the fire. The club helped him to find as much like-for-like -like memorabilia as possible, and also took a group who lived in the tower up to London County to meet the men's first-team squad. 
I remember arriving at work the morning after the fire, and the department were immediately across sending whoever was free to help in any way possible. Our stadium management team instantly sourced towels and non-perishable food for us to take across London. More recently, the club donated more than 4,000 items for us to deliver to those affected by the conflict in Ukraine. In those situations, everyone at Arsenal goes out of their way to help. Another example of that was with the introduction of our sensory room. I had been to the Invictus Games, where a family called the Shippers presented on their petition to bring in support for autistic children attending matches at Sunderland. With the help of Sunderland, they developed an area of the stadium which was supportive of their child's sensory needs and helped with anxiety reduction. After listening to the presentation, I spoke to stadium management, who had already been looking at bringing in a similar area at Emirates Stadium. There was a real desire from the club to implement the room in the very best possible way. We weren't replicating a model we'd seen elsewhere as such. We knew Sunderland had brought in a room, but the club wanted us to start from fresh and build it our way. We spoke to families and used their feedback to amend the process. The sensory room has had a real impact. We've had parents crying happy tears because they never thought they'd be able to take their child to a match. When you're immersed in football, you can take for granted just how important that first moment of support is. Sometimes you don't realise your privilege until you watch a match with a family who let you know just how valuable it is to have a safe space to watch the game. Apart from the main photograph showing Luke Howard against the background of being inside a large gym, there are two other photographs and these have the captions Luke was heavily involved in helping local food banks keep going during the pandemic and a regular in Arsenal away ends up and down the country, Luke was cheering on the gunners at Villa Park and he showed his support for Ukraine on the anniversary of the invasion by wearing an Alexandra Usyk shirt he ordered from Kiev. Community Voice Project North London United Established 2013 Participants since starting Over 2,000 Weekly participants 16 Sessions, Monday 5 to 6 p.m. at the Arsenal Hub. Available to any young person with Down syndrome. Nayella has been involved with the North London United group since her father, Harold, started it 10 years ago. The enthusiasm and motivation to play, be a part of a group and support others is such a huge part of Nayella's personality that involvement in the group was inevitable. Access to opportunities for young people with Down syndrome to flourish, not just take part, have been limited, so a huge part of the reason for Harold starting the group was ensuring Nyala had the same opportunities as all her peers, building an environment that enabled her and other children to be challenged, to learn and to succeed was key. New environments and skills will also be challenging, but self-belief and motivation are two areas Nyella can excel in. From the start through to today, ten years in, there have been challenges, but Nyella has always taken it on herself to make new players feel welcome, as well as their parents. 
mirroring the approach her father had created from the first session. Nyella has represented the group at fixtures, tournaments and even pitchside at the Emirates Stadium, but she has always excelled when showing guests what the group's about, whether it's grabbing Leah Williamson by the hand to march her in to meet the group, or showing Granite Xhaka her gymnastic poses. Nyella has always come into herself when championing the group to guests. Nyella has made friends with every single young person to come through the doors for the session, as well as every parent, member of staff and guest. Her enthusiasm, support and welcoming attitude is the best evidence for why the sessions have been so successful. Throughout the ten years of the programme, there has been a lot of staff come and go, with the only ever-presence being Harold and Mikkel, who volunteer from North London United. The consistency of the coaching and the insistence on sticking to their values, and those of the session, has meant that from the first member of staff from Arsenal until today, there has only ever been an approach of putting the players first where inclusivity and consistency are the key pillars and where every young person is championed and valued. The group looks at supporting all areas, be that football, movement, communication or social. Through Nyella's hard work and commitment, there has been amazing growth across all areas of her life, with skills transferable both to her football sessions and from her football sessions. The ability to be part of the club, whilst representing herself and North London United, has always been a huge benefit for being involved in the group. Seeing firsthand the ability to showcase her passion to the fans and the world through social media has been something that Nyella has always been proud to do. Academy Young Gun, Rural Walters, The Basics, born Lambeth 16th of the 12th, 2004, joined Arsenal 19th of the 10th, 2020, height and weight 6 foot 1 inch, 81 kilograms, position right back, centre back, school, homeschooled, squad number 97, rate yourself out of 100, pace 93, dribbling 87, shooting 80, defending 85, physical 90. The last six months have been an experience, to say the least. I've been on three tours with the first team, firstly to Germany and USA in the summer, and then to Dubai in December. It came about during pre-season when we were told a few of us might be included in a trip to Germany. Being able to join the first team on an official pre-season tour was unreal, but it was the first time many of us had been on tour with the senior squad, and it was great to share the moment with my teammates, as we have all worked so hard. It was also my first time going to the USA, so it was great to tick that off the list of countries. One key thing I picked up on tour was that you need to have a voice on the pitch. You can't be quiet, and we all have a responsibility to relay messages and instructions to each other if we want to have the best chance of winning. It's also a massive step up from academy football, in the sense that there's much less room for error, the talking never stops, and there's never a second to waste. One of the first people I spoke to during the tour was Rob Holding. He's such a nice guy and is someone I could always talk to if I needed any advice. I also got on really well with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who was really cool too. In general, everyone was brilliant with me and they all welcomed me with open arms. 
It's great when you're training with the first team, but particularly Bukayo, Eddie, Emil, Ainsley and Reese. They are players who have been through the journey at the academy and played consistently at first team level. I love seeing them thrive wearing the Arsenal badge and hopefully that will be me one day. A funny story during the USA camp was when I had to do my initiation. At the back of my mind, I actually knew it was coming, so I tried to sneak into breakfast a little bit earlier than usual so no one would notice me. But Gabriel McGalhais, who is the mastermind behind all the initiations, looked at me, started smiling and clicked his glass to get everyone's attention. I had to get my chair, give a brief introduction about who I am and started singing Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. At the start I was nervous, but I actually enjoyed it and I got some claps going. But now that I've done my initiation, I let Gabrielle know if any of the new Academy boys on tour haven't done theirs yet, I'm coming for everyone. The season has been really exciting, particularly the FA Youth Cup, which has been a big highlight as we've reached the semi-finals. We wanted to avenge last season's exit as we were knocked out in our opening game away at Colchester United. I'd arguably even say that our first game against Millwall this season was even more important than the quarter-final because we needed to start the campaign strong and show everyone what we are capable of. I think we've shown people that we have a great character. Going 2-0 down to Watford at half-time, Jack Wilshere encouraged us that the game wasn't over and made us realise that we have the ability to turn this around and within an 11-minute spell, we were 4-2 up in the second half. Playing at Emirates Stadium in the quarter-final against Cambridge United was an amazing feeling. For a lot of us, it was our first time playing there, and it just felt so right being on that hallowed turf. However, when the whistle blew for the game to begin, it was full concentration mode. As great as it is playing at Emirates Stadium, it's only good if we win, and beating Cambridge United, especially in the last minute, made the win feel even sweeter. We understand the importance of this competition to the club and we're on a special run at the moment but we don't want this journey to end without us lifting that trophy. It would mean the absolute world to win it. Working under Mikel Arteta, Jack Wilshere and Mehmet Ali has been awesome. There are a lot of similarities between the three of them in the fact that they care a lot about the individual player as well as the playing style. So we can have a game that we win But if we haven't executed our playing style to the correct level, then they will make sure we get it right. They're always looking to improve and help us become better players. They demand the best and drill into us that even if we're not having a good game. We have to make sure that we're putting in the maximum amount of effort. There are no passengers in football. It's a team sport and we've all got a role to play. Around the Academy. This group has something special. Jack Wilshire praised his side's special team spirit as we fought back from behind in the second half to beat Cambridge United 3 2 and clinch our spot in the FA Youth Cup semi final for the first time since the 2017 2018 season on Thursday, February 23rd. Ethan Nuaneri's thunderous opener was cancelled out by an unfortunate own goal that took us into the break level. The visitors took the lead midway through the second half, but Amario Cozier-Jubri's instant response from the penalty spot brought us back on terms. We scored the winner in dramatic fashion, two minutes into injury time, 
when Mikhail Rozyak slotted home his close-range effort from a pinpoint Lino Sousa cross, and Wilshere was thrilled that his team overcame adversity when going a goal down. This is a special group of boys, he said. We showed that spirit that I keep talking about, a fire that wins you games, and we've seen that against Newcastle, Watford, and now tonight. We need to be better if we want to win the cup, but keep that fire and we'll have a great chance. There's a massive team spirit and unity to the group. It gets us through the tough moments. The under-18s head coach rounded off by thanking the supporters for creating a special atmosphere for himself, the staff and the players and encouraged them to return to Emirates Stadium for the semi-final. The crowd was brilliant tonight for the boys, he said. It's a massive step in their development as many of them haven't experienced an atmosphere like that. Hopefully in the next round the supporters will come in their numbers again because they help the players so much. Mehmet Ali rued his side's missed chances as we fell to a narrow 1-0 defeat to Chelsea at Kingsmeadow in Premier League 2 on Monday, February 27th. A deflected goal three minutes from the end was the only difference between the two sides on the night, but Ali was very much encouraged by his team's performance. I thought we matched them in all departments. We limited them to very little chances, but when you're on top against a side like Chelsea, you need to put the ball in the back of the net, said Ali. We had big moments to score from a corner and a couple of other opportunities, but the ball just didn't fall for us on the night. However, I'm extremely proud of the players and there's so much they can learn and take from the game. Mikel on the mark. Whether it's Manchester City or Oxford United in the Youth Cup semi-final, their scouts will be highlighting a surprise attacking threat in the Gunners' ranks. Right-back Mikhail Rozyak not only scored the crucial last-minute winner against Cambridge in the quarters, he also notched in the 6-0 third-round thumping of Millwall and grabbed the crucial third goal in our 4-2 comeback victory over Watford in the fifth round. The Poland youth international, who first joined the academy in May 2018, had spent much of his time at Hale End operating in central midfield from where he obviously developed quite the eye for goal. Overall, midfielder Romario Cozier-Jubri leads the way in our Youth Cup goal-scoring charts with five. The full list is as follows. Romario Cozier-Jubri, five. Mikhail Rozyak, three. Amari Benjamin, two. Osman Kamara, two. Ethan Nwaneri, two. Seb Ferdinand, one. Jimmy Gower, one. Will it be Man City or Oxford? Arsenal will know their FA Youth Cup opponents on Tuesday night when Oxford United travel to the Manchester City Academy Stadium to take on Manchester City. Oxford, like Cambridge United, joined the competition at the first round and have scored three goals in each of their five victories to reach the quarter-final, winning 3-1 against Torquay, Horndean, Exeter City and Cardiff City, then dispatching Leeds United in the fifth round 3-0. Manchester City joined at the third round, like the Gunners, and have had a comfortable run to the quarters, beating Blackburn Rovers 3-0, Brighton and Hove Albion 4-1, and Fleetwood Town 5-0 in the last round. A date for the semi-final will be finalised following the game in Manchester, but we know the single-leg match will be back at Emirates Stadium, giving Gunners fans a fantastic opportunity to watch our stars of the future in the biggest game of their season. West Ham in other semi West Ham joined the Gunners in the semi-finals after a 4-2 victory over Ipswich Town in the quarter-final when they required extra time to triumph. 
The Hammers will play either Preston North End or Southampton in the semi-finals, who played their quarter-final at Deepdale on Thursday night. Arsenal women. FA Cup dream over. Our Vitality Women's FA Cup journey came to an end last weekend with a 2-0 defeat at Chelsea in the fifth round. Jonas Eideval's side dominated possession and registered 20 shots at goal, but the hosts punished us with their clinical attacking play. We made a positive start to the game with three chances arriving early on. Frieda Manham's powerful strike was tipped over the bar before Stina Blackstenius's goal-bound effort was cleared off the line. The Sweden international had another golden chance to open the scoring after being played through on goal, but she fired over the bar, and shortly after, Sophie Ingle gave Chelsea the lead against the run of play. Lauren James drifted inside from the right wing and teed up Ingle on the edge of the area, who finished past Manuela Zinsberger into the bottom left corner. We continued to find space behind the Chelsea back line, with Manham sliding in at the back post, narrowly missing Blackstenius's pass, and Katie McCabe testing Anne Katrinberger at the near post. But we lacked a clinical edge in the front of goal. Chelsea then went on to double their advantage following the restart, with Sam Kerr breaking free down the right and finding the bottom corner with a chip from close range. Two gunners named in FIFPro World Eleven. Beth Mead and Leah Williamson have been named in the FIFPro World Eleven team of the year for the 2021-22 campaign. The pair were selected after thousands of footballers across the globe voted for their best players from the previous season to create an all-star team consisting of the best performers, with the announcement made at the best FIFA awards ceremony in Paris. The duo were influential in helping England win Euro 2022, with Williamson captaining the team and Mead winning the Golden Boot and Player of the Tournament. Both were also included in the team of the tournament. Their form at club level was also impressive, with Williamson making 28 appearances in all competitions for us, scoring twice, while Mead netted 12 goals in 26 games. It is the fourth successive season that we have been represented in the World Eleven. Sari van Wienendal was also voted as best goalkeeper in 2019, while compatriot Vivian Miedema had been selected in both of the previous years. FIFPro World Eleven 2022 Christiane Endler, Lucy Bronze, Maria Lyon, Leah Williamson, Wendy Renard, Alexia Putellas, Kira Walsh, Lena Oberdorf, Alex Morgan, Sam Kerr, Beth Mead. Mead third in FIFA Best Award. Beth Mead finished third in the voting for the Best FIFA Women's Player for 2022. Spain's Alexa Putellas was the recipient for the second year in a row, while USA star Alex Morgan came second, who received the same amount of points as Beth, but edged her into third spot by having more first-place nominations. The award recognises the most outstanding performers in the women's game between August 2021 to July 2022. A total of 14 players were initially nominated, having been chosen by a panel of experts, which included Leah Williamson, who came 8th, while Viviane Midema was in 12th. 
From this short list, the three finalists were selected by an international jury comprising of four groups women's national team coaches, women's national team captains, women's football journalists, and fans who voted on FIFA's website. This is the latest accolade for Beth, who finished runner up to Putellas in the Ballon d'Or and UEFA Women's Player of the Year but won the BBC's Women's Footballer of the Year, as well as the BBC's Sports Personality of the Year. Cup final tickets still available. We face Chelsea in the final of the FA Women's Continental League Cup tomorrow at Selhurst Park, and tickets are still available. Tickets cost £15, Category 1, or £10, Category 2, for adults, with concessions available at £5 for over-65s and students and £2.50 for under-18s. For more information, go to www.arsenal.com forward slash tickets forward slash women forward slash 2023-mar-05 forward slash chelsea-women or scan the QR code in the programme. Fixtures and results. 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, WSL, 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL, 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, home, WSL, 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, home, UCL 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United, home, WSL 3-1. 6 November, Leicester City, WSL 4-0. 19th November, Manchester United, home, WSL 2-3. 24th November, Juventus, UCL, 1-1. 3rd December, Everton, home, WSL, 1-0. 7th December, Juventus, home, UCL, 1-0. 11th December, Aston Villa, WSL, 4-1. 15th December, Lyon, home, UCL, 0-1. 21st December, FC Zurich, UCL, 9-1. 15th January, Chelsea, home, WSL, 1-1. 26th January, Aston Villa, CC, 3-0. 29th January, Leeds United, home, FAC, 9-0. 5th of February, West Ham United, WSL, 0-0. 8th February, Manchester City, home, CC, 1-0, AT. 11th February, Manchester City, WSL, 1-2. 26th February, Chelsea, FAWC, 0-2. 5th March, Chelsea, CC. 12th March, Reading, home, WSL. 21st March, Bayern Munich, UCL. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. 29th March, Bayern Munich, home, UCL. 2nd April, Manchester City, home, WSL. 23rd April, Manchester United, WSL. 30th April, Everton, WSL. 7th May, Leicester City, home, WSL. 21st May, Chelsea, WSL. 
28th May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. To be arranged, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. To be arranged, Liverpool, home, WSL. The Visitors, Bournemouth. 30 years of the Premier League. Games, 213. Wins, 61. Losses, 104. Goals, 262. Goals conceded, 378. Seasons in the Premier League, 6. Highest position, 9th, 2016-17. stroke Lowest position, 18th, 2019-20. stroke Finished in the top half, once. Most appearances, Steve Cook, 168. Most goals, Josh King, 48. AFC Bournemouth's return to the Premier League after two seasons away was a cause of considerable celebration down in Dorset last May, but life back in the top flight has proved to be a tough ordeal so far for the Cherries, who come into this afternoon's match against the league leaders with only local rivals Southampton below them at the foot of the table. An exacting challenge awaits the club over the next few weeks as they seek to avoid an immediate relegation back to the Championship. With just five wins and 21 points from their 24 matches, Bournemouth know that their points-per-game ratio over the final 14 fixtures must improve if they are to stay in the division. It has been an eventful, unsettled season all round, with Scott Parker, who led the team to promotion as championship runners-up last season, lasting just four matches into the new campaign. The last of them, a 9-0 hammering by Liverpool at Anfield and the club undergoing a change of ownership in December. Gary O'Neill, Parker's erstwhile assistant, was handed the caretaker manager role in late August and got off to a promising start, going unbeaten in his first six Premier League matches, including wins against Nottingham Forest and Leicester, although a run of four successive defeats then followed. Two big wins at home to Everton just before the World Cup break 4-1 in the Carabao Cup, 3-0 in the league, earned him a contract as the club's permanent new manager. Since the resumption, however, and the takeover of the club by American investors led by Las Vegas businessman Bill Foley, the team have struggled for form, losing six matches in a row, including exits from both cup competitions, against Newcastle 1-0 away in the Carabao Cup and Burnley 4-2 at home and nine without a win until they beat relegation rivals Wolves 1-0 at Molyneux on February 18th. The encouragement of that victory, which lifted the Cherries out of the drop zone, was diluted last Saturday evening when they were well beaten at Vitality Stadium by Arsenal's title rivals Manchester City, conceding three unanswered goals in the first half and eventually going down 4-1, their heaviest home defeat, since the Gunners beat them 3-0 there back in August. The boss, Gary O'Neill, manager, born 18th of May 1983, Beckenham, previously none. A former midfielder who played for nine different clubs, Gary made his name primarily at Portsmouth, where he began his career, and Middlesbrough, representing both of those clubs, plus West Ham and Norwich in the Premier League before hanging up his boots after one season with Bolton in 2019. 
His path to management began at Bournemouth two years ago, when he joined as an assistant to Jonathan Woodgate. He retained that role under Scott Parker last season, helping the club to promotion from the Championship before replacing his former boss in the managerial hot seat this season. An interim spell preceding his permanent appointment in late November. Number 13. The Captain. Neto. Goalkeeper. Born. Araxa, Brazil, 19th July 1989. Previously, Atletico Paranese, Fiorentina, Juventus, Valencia, Barcelona. An experienced Brazilian goalkeeper previously on the books of European heavyweights Juventus and Barcelona, Cherry skipper Neto joined Bournemouth as a free agent last summer. Although generally the backup to Gianluigi Buffon at Juve, and Marc-André Ter Stegen at Barca. He was the number one keeper at both Fiorentina and Valencia and now appears to have established himself as Bournemouth's first choice in the shirt once worn by Aaron Ramsdale. Despite stiff competition from Irishman Mark Travers, the main man in last season's promotion-winning campaign. Number 8. The ever-present. Jefferson Lemmer, midfielder. Born. El Cerrito, Colombia. 25th of October 1994. Previously, Atletico Huila, Levante. Columbia International Jefferson became Bournemouth's most expensive acquisition when he joined the club from Spanish side Levante for €30 million Euros in August 2018. The versatile midfielder remained with the club despite their relegation from the Premier League and is now a firm fan favourite at Vitality Stadium scoring their first goal of this season after less than two minutes in an opening day 2-0 win at home to Aston Villa and starting all 24 league games so far in 2022-23. stroke Number 15. The Stalwart. Adam Smith, defender, born, Leytonstone, 29th of April 1991. Previously, Tottenham, Wickham, loan, Torquay, loan, Bournemouth, loan. M.K. Dons, loan. Leeds, loan. Millwall, loan. Derby, loan. A former England youth and under-21 international who started his career at Tottenham, Adam played on loan for several EFL clubs before leaving Spurs to join Bournemouth in a permanent deal nine years ago. A loyal servant to the South Coast club since then, the 31-year-old right-back is closing in on 300 club appearances and has started all but one of the Cherries' 24 Premier League matches this season. He has been yellow-carded in five of his last seven games. Number 25. The Lynchpin. Marcos Senesi. Defender. Born. Concordia, Argentina. 10th of May, 1997. Previously. San Lorenzo. Feyenoord. Recruited on a four-year contract last summer from Dutch giants Feyenoord, Argentinian defender Marcos has settled in quickly to the Premier League and become a mainstay of the Bournemouth defence under Gary O'Neill, missing just one of the last 18 Premier League matches and scoring his first goal in the recent 1-1 home draw against Newcastle. He was a key player in Feyenoord's run to last season's inaugural Europa Conference League final, making 17 appearances and has one cap for Argentina. Number 29. The Powerhouse. Philip Billing. Midfielder. Born. Copenhagen, Denmark. 
11th of June 1996. Previously, Huddersfield. A two-cap Denmark international, Philip has spent the whole of his professional career in England, joining Huddersfield as a youth player and representing the Yorkshire club for two seasons in the Premier League before moving south to join Bournemouth in 2019. The strapping left-footer endured relegation in his first season at Vitality Stadium, but impressed in the championship, scoring 10 goals in last season's promotion-winning campaign. He already has four in the top flight this term, the last of them in a 4-3 defeat at Leeds in early November. Number 9. The number 9. Dominic Solanke. Forward. Born. Reading. 14th of September 1997. Previously, Chelsea, Vitesi, Lone, Liverpool. Dominic's career began in a blaze of glory as he was voted player of the tournament in England's memorable 2017 FIFA Under-20 World Cup triumph, scoring four goals in South Korea. He joined Liverpool from Chelsea during the course of that tournament but struggled to make his mark and left for Bournemouth in January 2019. Premier League goals continued to prove elusive but he found his feet for the Cherries in the Championship, scoring 29 goals last season alone to spearhead the club's promotion drive. Number 24. The new recruit, Antoine Semenyo. Forward. Born, London, 7th of January 2000. Previously, Bristol City, Bath, Loan, Newport, Loan, Sunderland, Loan. One of six new signings made by Bournemouth in January, including £24 million Dano Utara from Lorient, £19 million Ilya Zabani from Dinamo Kiev, and Syria A. Lonis, Hamed Traore and Matthias Vina. Antoine cost £9 million from Bristol City, where he had become one of the championship's leading attractions with his speed, trickery and eye for a goal. A member of Ghana's 2022 World Cup squad, Making two substitute appearances in Qatar, he has started just one Premier League game so far. Number 32. The ex-gunner. Jaden Anthony, winger, born, Hackney, 1st of December 1999. Previously, Weymouth, loan. Jaden spent 10 years at the Arsenal Academy before leaving in 2016 to start his professional career at Bournemouth. His big breakthrough came last season in the Championship where he played a major role in helping the Cherries return to the Premier League, scoring eight goals in 45 championship appearances. He has mostly been used as a substitute this season by Gary O'Neill, but started six successive Premier League matches after the World Cup break and has scored three goals in the division. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images It's been a peculiar season for Bournemouth. They started the campaign with a victory over Aston Villa, but then defeats of 4-0, 3-0 and 9-0 to Manchester City, Arsenal and Liverpool cost Scott Parker his job and made Bournemouth the favourites for relegation. But then, five games later, they found themselves in ninth place, with Gary O'Neill performing well enough as caretaker manager to get the job permanently. Since then, results have dipped. O'Neill's side are not built to dominate matches. They're averaging the lowest possession in the Premier League, although only the fifth lowest pass completion rate, suggesting that their low possession figure is more about them not winning the ball back quickly 
rather than because they give it away cheaply. O'Neill likes his side to sit deep, before springing forward on the break. If they're to cause Arsenal problems this afternoon, it will probably be with their attacking transitions. In terms of formation, O'Neill's general approach is a 4-4-1-1. Against strong opposition, he's often shifted to a five-man defence, although Bournemouth's record with that system is poor, including last weekend's 4-1 loss to Manchester City. He might be tempted to revert to the 4-4-1-1, which bought a 1-0 victory over Wolves the previous weekend. Bournemouth have lacked consistency at the back this season. Chris Mepham, Marcos Senezi, Lloyd Kelly and Jack Stevens have all started matches in the last month, while Kelly has sometimes been used at left-back, tucking inside to become a third centre-back. Adam Smith is a regular starter down the right, while Jordan Zamora has impressed in recent weeks with his attacking quality from left-back. O'Neill's first-choice central midfield duo comprises Jefferson Lelmer, a tough-tackling central midfielder with a good passing range, with the exciting Philip Billing, whose attacking threat has seen O'Neill deploy him at the top of the midfield triangle with the likes of Lewis Cook or Joe Rothwell used alongside Lerma. However, competition for places in the attacking third has increased since the January arrival of the exciting Hamed Traore and the speedy Antoine Semenyo. Dominic Solanke is still likely to lead the line, and can also drop deep to link play. Kiefer Moore is effective in the air when Bournemouth play more directly, but offers less on the break. Bournemouth's wingers are likely to be their most dangerous players. Marcus Tavernier was recording extremely impressive dribbling statistics until he missed a couple of months through injury, while newcomer Traore played wide last weekend against Manchester City but Bournemouth looked more dangerous when he was replaced by Jaden Anthony, who has a good relationship with fellow academy graduate Zemura down the left. On the other flank, Dango Utara is yet another January arrival and has impressed thus far, recording assists as Bournemouth drew 1-1 with both Nottingham Forest and Newcastle. Arsenal's focus is likely to be on retaining the ball and keeping a solid structure to prevent leaving gaps for Bournemouth to sprint into. Nine lives. Bournemouth have played Arsenal 13 times in their history, losing 10, drawing 2 and winning once. Remarkably, Adam Smith has played for the Cherries in nine of those games. And he wasn't born when the teams first met on October 27, 1987. Match Action Arsenal vs Everton Arsenal 4 Everton 0 Arsenal scorers Saka 40th minute Martinelli 46th minute 80th minute Odegaard 71st minute Wednesday March 1st 2023 Emirates Stadium Timeline 40th minute Saka fires us ahead right-footed after a great Zinchenko through ball 45th minute Martinelli doubles the lead after his goal is initially ruled out for offside. 71st minute. Odegaard cracks home the third from Trossard's pullback. 80th minute. Martinelli stabs home Nekatiya's cross. 90th minute. 
Ramsdale makes a double save from Gray and Davies. Bukayo Saka. I'm really happy. We went there a few weeks ago and we lost. Today, we knew going into the game how difficult it would be. To score four goals and play like that, we can be so proud of ourselves. Facts. We've now won 100 league games against Everton, the first team to reach that milestone against an opponent in English Football League history. It was the team's 204th league contest. We've also lost 61, with 43 draws. Everton have now won just one of their last 27 games against Arsenal, drawn four, lost 22. We scored at least four goals against Everton in a Premier League match for the 12th time, more than any side has done against another in the competition's history. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. One, Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. Three, Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White 5. Thomas Partey 6. Gabriel Magalhães 7. Bukayo Saka 8. Martin Odegaard 9. Gabriel Jesus 10. Emil Smith-Rowe 11. Gabriel Martinelli 12. William Saliba 14. Edian Katia 15. Jakob Kivia 16. Rob Holding 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Leandro Trossard 20. Giorgino 21. Fabio Vieira 24. Rhys Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Alexandra Zinchenko 83. Ethan Nwaneri for AFC Bournemouth, head coach Gary O'Neill, shirt blue, shorts blue, socks white. 1. Mark Travers, goalkeeper. 2. Ryan Fredericks. 3. Jack Stevens. 4. Lewis Cook. 5. Lloyd Kelly. 6. Chris Mappham. 7. David Brooks. 8. Jefferson Lerme. 9. Dominic Solanke. 10. Ryan Christie. 11. Django Quatara. 12. Darren Randolph, goalkeeper. 13. Neto, goalkeeper. 14. Joe Rothwell. 15. Adam Smith. 16. Marcus Tavernier. 17. Jack Stacey. 18. Matthias Wiener. 19. Junior Stanislas. 21. Kiefer Moore. 22. Hamad Traore. 24. Antoine Semenio. 25. Marcus Danese. 27. Ilya Zabani 29. Philip Billing 32. Jaden Anthony 33. Jordan Zamura 37. Cameron Plain Goalkeeper Referee Chris Kavanagh Assistant Referees Neil Davis Konstantin Hadzidakis Fourth Official Andre Mariner VAR Official Andre Mariner Additional VAR Official Mark Scholes also playing today, 3pm unless stated. Manchester City vs Newcastle United, 12.30pm. Chelsea vs Leeds United, 
Wolverhampton Wanderers vs Tottenham Hotspur, Brighton and Hove Albion vs West Ham United, Aston Villa vs Crystal Palace, Southampton vs Leicester City at 5.30pm. No room for racism. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Premier League. 30 years of stories. 30 years of lungs busting, nets bulging, audacious goals, outrageous flicks, academy breakthroughs, legends return. 30 years of gasps, groans, chants, full-time cheers, full-time tears, saying we were there. But that's not all. The game is just the start. 30 years of supporting communities. 30 years of investing in the wider game. 30 years of thrilling football, made possible by 30 years of your support. Premier League. Akagera National Park, Rwanda. Your safari awaits. Visit Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. Plan your journey at www.visitrwanda.com. Instagram and Twitter at visitrwanda underscore now. Emirates. Arsenal official partner. Travel with peace of mind. Fly better. No room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere. And we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League. Awesome. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.